The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. This is Mark Donnelly. I've got Carrie Waddell with me this morning. And Carrie, we've been playing, you know, in October, the scariest month of the year. What scares you? What scares me? Mm-hmm. And with the, you know, emphasis on financial issues, but certainly the Rona from a health standpoint is still scary. A lot of people are still scared about the vaccines, either taking the vaccine or not taking the vaccine or one of the boosters. Or our government, I think, is the scariest of them all. Well, let's get started there. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. As I said before, these plans are fiscally responsible. They are fully... So again, he's talking about the Build Back Better plan that somehow the Democrats have still not come to an agreement with what exactly they want in the plan or not, right? And we're getting pretty close to... Nancy Pelosi's Halloween deadline here. Paid for. Paid for. They don't add a single penny to the deficit. They don't raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. In fact, they reduce the deficit. Here's how. I don't want to punish anyone's success. I'm a capitalist. I want everyone to be able to if they want to be a... He just kind of switched. I was going to say, isn't most people a... I was going to say most politicians, capitalists. I mean, yeah. I don't care what they say they are. But I, I thought he was going to talk about how it was going to do it. Then all of a sudden, like, he forgot he wanted to talk about how he's a capitalist. <laughs> so now he's back on that. But Focus, this scares Joe. me is what he says next. Okay. Billionaire, billionaire to be able to seek their goal. But all I'm asking is... Here we go. Pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. What, Joe? Pay your fair share. Okay. And right now, many of them are paying virtually nothing. <laughs> Last year, the 55 most profitable corporations in America, 55 of them, paid zero, zero in federal income tax. Okay, we got it. $40 billion in profit. If they report big profits to the show. All right, so they went on. So it scares me when, because I'm not sure really what President Biden means by saying pay your fair share. But we'll talk a little bit about what is in, you know, his latest trying to get the Democrats all on the same page, what his latest proposal is. And we'll determine whether should that be scaring you or not based on where you're at. So, Carrie, why don't you get us started? Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 a.m. between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that can impact your lifestyle and long-term financial stability, whether you're working or someone who's already in their retirement years. And we talk about issues or political issues that you may want to be aware of or tax law changes or other opportunities so that you can be proactive. Um, If you're someone who just lets the cards fall where they may, um, you may be missing opportunities and you often are, and you're definitely often paying more in taxes and giving more money to the government, either during your lifetime or at death. And um, this show is sponsored by the estate planning team. The estate planning team is a fee-based, affordable fee-based Ohio registered 
fiduciary planning firm that's been helping people more than 35 years through unbiased objective advice. And what the estate planning team does is financial modeling, that objective analysis. So if you're concerned about inflation, we build these financial models with whatever number you want us to use. And we can manipulate all these variables. We built the software on the program to do that. And we can, it's not a canned or generic numbers. We use your information or if, you know, to build these long-term term plans. And if people know based on worst case scenario, they know either how they need to adjust or sometimes people are really worried and we run a worst case scenario and they're still going to be okay. And it doesn't impact their spending. Or if it does, they know, hey, this is what do I need to do to be okay in the long run, um, whatever your worry is. Or if you're faced with a decision, timing of social security, pension election analysis, we're deep in IRA Roth conversion planning for clients. You know, many people have opportunities and steps they might want to take between now and the end of the year to minimize that future tax liability, especially if you're concerned and don't believe that Joe Biden, um, that your tax rates, um, if you're only over 400,000, won't go up. There may be other things they do that call it differently. Are you worried about meta, you know, decisions you make on your taxes, the Medicare B premium thresholds? I still encounter people that aren't aware of those surtaxes until it's too late. And um, we offer a free consultation at the estate planning team. We're scheduling now through the end of the year, either by phone or in person. But if you're someone who wants to look at any year-end issues, Roth conversions, IRA or company plan distributions or anything else, maybe you have a retirement decision to make, um, it's better to come in sooner than later. And you can call the estate planning team for a free consultation again by phone or in person without pressure at 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, you got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell and Carrie. So, yeah, a lot of people are worried about Biden inflation, right? And sometimes the, the the what may be worse is you know President Biden's stagflation party, right? And so we'll talk. We had a lot of economic data this week, and we'll see. It'll kind of mix signals, and we'll see if we can kind of read between the lines. Um, And you also mentioned a little bit about the Medicare. This is Medicare open enrollment season right now, you know, until December 7th. So this is the time of year that we're always having discussions with our clients, especially those who maybe are going through this open enrollment period for the first time or are thinking they're going to be there in a short period of time, whether it be a year or two, you know, they're getting within that window period of age 65. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. And, and really how do you budget if you're trying to build a retirement plan at home, a retirement planning model that's looking out 30, do I hear 40 years? You know, that's Mm -hmm. your peace of mind. How do you budget in, you know, a conservative, realistic amount for future health care premiums. So we'll talk a little about that today, too. But just get back to, are you scared about the tax increases that may be coming down to help pay for President Biden's Build Back Better plan? Mm-hmm. You know that the, And I still believe the Democrats will get something done you know, using the budget resolution because they might only have one more chance to do that. I right. don't think they'll squander that. And they're going to I do think they're going to get something done. Are we going to know by Halloween? No. Are we going to know by Thanksgiving? Maybe. Are we going to know before the debt ceiling comes up again in early December? Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. It's Congress. But, you know, one of the things that caused a lot of eyebrows going up earlier in the week was the, the Democrats floated the billionaire wealth tax proposal, mm-hmm. right? And it kind of went over like a lead balloon. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I never saw a, a proposal get so much talk, you know, that it was actually going to happen only to, you know, fall in ruins right. within a short period of time. I mean, it, it, it fell faster than the bomb cyclone, you know, hit right. the West Coast. Well, I think sometimes you're opening up a door. Maybe people aren't willing to do 
Yeah, and I still don't know what really knocks sense into the Democrats who are proposing this. So we had some quotes during the week. You know, Gabriel Zuckman, he was the he was the guy from Berkeley, Kerry, that I've talked about his white paper a year ago or, or so that came up the whole idea of the wealth transfer tax, right? And And it was what the Democrats built this whole framework on. And you can still find his white paper. It's mm-hmm. out there. And his he was ecstatic when when it was being floated this week. He said, you know, he said it would be the historic. It would be the most progressive tax ever. That scares me. Right. When I hear that. Um, but then you got the moderates in the Senate, like Joe Manchin's, who's saying I'm open to any type, uh, you know, thing that makes people pay. That's not I'm, I, you know, I'm not open to any type of thing that makes people pay that's not paying now. You know, so so, you know, he he's he wasn't too, you know, positive on it. Then, um, you know, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, you know, his quote was they are talking about rewriting the entire economy after a couple of days discussions on the back of an envelope. This harebrained scheme has not, had not received any meaningful study or scrutiny. I mean, that was the problem. You know, it, it was the um, so. In either case, it fell to the ground in, in burning flame. Um, it's not in the plan. So what is in the Biden's you know, latest plan? Well, so he, he, they are still at the concept of taxing the rich, whether that's a, corp, a rich, bag, big, bad corporation or it's the you know, billionaires and multimillionaires. There's not that many billionaires. What, there's 700. Um, a lot of multimillionaires. There's probably right. over a million multimillionaires. Right. Um, so what is so one is what's going to happen to income tax right so this is why should you be scared of what the latest proposal is well you you judge okay so the surtax so they want to raise the tippy top you know ta- tax rate to forty five percent ouch what's and, it's now thirty thirty seven okay so now they said this would affect only point zero two percent of U S taxpayers so basically if you had adjusted gross income in excess of ten million dollars then you would have a 5% surtax on top of the 37%. All right. Now, if your AGI is greater than 25 million, and that's per year, Carrie, right? We're, right. We're, okay, 25 million per year income, AGI. Okay. Good okay, for you. You pay an extra 3% on top of the five. So that's how you get up to the 45. And they expect that will raise $230 billion over 10 years. Okay. Then you have the- Yeah, but they'll spend it. Then you have the big bet. Well, that's paying for this package, Gary. What about paying for the other debt? They printed the money for that, Gary. (laughs) That's not being paid for. Right. All right. Not by, well, maybe your great-grandchildren will pay for that. I don't know. We're not. All right. Corporate 15% minimum tax. So so this, I think, probably could, you know- float and, and become bothered but it's not for your it's not for your you know mom and pop pizza shop on the corner gary right okay. okay um this is for companies who have greater than one billion in book income now we're we're gonna get our gap accounting rules out here okay. Gary, right because um we really want to get lost in the weeds try to understand the difference between book income and tax income it's not exactly the same thing right mm-hmm. um so book income is what the big bad corporations report to their shareholders to make them excited Right. Um, it's not the numbers they report to the IRS as taxable income. You know, everybody's clear on that. Just just ask, you know, President Trump about that. Right. Um, so but that's over a billion dollars. OK. Um, now, um, they're saying that that's that would capture around 200 companies in America. Right. Um, and and that pay no corporate income tax right now because of all the tax loopholes. Remember, loopholes aren't tax fraud. Right. It's just being creative. With the existing tax laws, right? They said that'll raise about three hundred twenty-five billion over ten years. Okay, now there's a one percent surcharge on corporation stock buybacks. Okay, um, that'd be about another hundred twenty-five billion. You keeping track of these billions, Carrie? Because I'm gonna, you know, get. Do you have that government calculator, the one that does the yeah. fuzzy math? Get that out here a second. Okay, let's keep track of these billions. All right, then we've got um, back to the individual. They want again for taxpayers over four hundred thousand now. We with the House Ways and Means define that as a married filing jointly of four hundred and fifty thousand. So uh, people were kind of shaking their heads at that. Wait a minute, a single person gets four hundred thousand, but a married jointly gets four fifty. What's up with that? Well, mm-hmm. that's you know whatever. 
All right. Um, so the taxpayers over four hundred thousand, they're going to try to close loopholes that avoid paying the three point eight percent Obamacare surtax on net investment income. Okay, that's again getting what people are dealing with the the trying to hide that you know and get away uh, you know carried interest and all those funny things in the weeds. Okay, that's going to be another two hundred fifty billion rate over ten years. Um, now they also want to go after the tax cheats, Carrie, right? And they're saying that there's just too many people cheating on their taxes, um, and they want to narrow that gap. And they think that uh, right now they could probably raise four if they give eighty billion dollars to beef up the IRS. Um, they can probably raise four hundred billion in taxes that are illegally being not you know collected right now. Um, now it's interesting because. Good luck hiring people, even if they beefed it up. Good luck finding uh, employees. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it, the, yeah, who would want to work for I was going to say, a lot of people well, don't want to work well, anymore. It's a government job. You know, you get, you, you get your uh, pension and all that good stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Benefits. But, you know, so, but the, but part of the Treasury's way of saying that the, that beefing up the IRS, but part of that, the rate, the, get all this money in, in, in uncollected taxes was by doing that, you know, Biden's, you know, Snoop Dogg $600, you know, bank proposal, right? Okay. Right? But that's out, right? Because that got so much blowback. And then and then they were going to raise it to 10000 but they, they didn't really explain it well to the American public. And they're like, everyone got, you know, freaked out that they're, you know, going to be looking at who you're paying money to and stuff like that. So they had to pull that out. Well, that was a part of how they were going to collect all this money. As a matter of fact, before they pulled that out, they were talking it was going to raise $700 billion. So... So now they pull that out. Now it's down to four hundred billion, whatever. Um, and then they're talking about a global minimum tax. Okay, so you know President Biden. You know we're taping this on Friday morning as we speak. He's in Rome with the you know group of twenty, right? And 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 part of the deal is they're they're going to they're trying to negotiate this global minimum tax. Oh yeah, he's negotiating it. Well, yeah. Do you think he even knows what it is? <laughs> I was going to say he's probably like, "What are we here to talk about?" Yeah, uh, I hope he goes to confession when he's meeting with the Pope. Um, but mm, anyway, that might be the whole meeting, Mark. So you've got this. So currently, it's like ten and a half percent, and some people some. Global countries wanted to raise it to 21%. That ain't going to fly. Ireland certainly isn't going to go for 21%. Um, so now the compromise is maybe they can get 15% global minimum tax. Uh, that would raise about $350 billion. So here we go, Carrie. You got that calculator? So we've got you know $230 billion on the surtax, another mm-hmm. $325 billion on the corporate American minimum tax, then another 125 billion on the uh, 1% surcharge on corporate buybacks, buybacks. Then another 250 billion on the closing the loopholes for making over 400,000. And then another 400 billion on the back taxes that they're going or the uncollected taxes they're going to get. Another 350 billion on the global minimum corporate tax rate. I'm doing the rough math here, Carrie. We're using that fuzzy math. I'm coming up with 1.6, 1.7 trillion dollars. Mm. That's how Biden says it's not going to cost anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe him. I don't know. But if you, I believe that they're going to have to raise tax rates. I think they'll find other sneaky ways that they call it not a tax. You think about like the yeah. Medicare B surtax or well, the Irma job. There's other ways they call right. it, but it's still an increase and still affects your net spendable dollars. Right. But at least this, I don't know if you need to be worried about any of those things I just mentioned. Right. Maybe not directly. You could say indirectly. Right. Because goods, if corporations are getting taxed, who's going to pay for it? The consumer. Um, So if you are concerned about inflation, which a lot of people are, future tax increases. I mean, anytime if Congress does nothing, we only have the tax cuts through 2025 before they go back to what they were previously, the higher tax rate. So. You want to make sure that you're using the opportunities where you can. And in every economic situation, there are opportunities. And you need to be proactive when it comes to your financial life. And that's what the estate planning team does. And remember, we're not investment advisors. We do look at our clients' assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency and work with their existing investment advisors. Or in many cases, our clients do the investments on their own. So we're trying to figure out how to create the income they need for their spending and enjoyment of their life 
as tax efficiently as possible uh, today and also looking into the future where we're headed. So it's not just about a stand a year loan tax um, savings. It's the cumulative tax liability we're trying to look at. And in many cases, people are concerned about income taxes to their kids. And that's why Roth conversion planning um, and contribution is so important because the sooner you do it, all that growth is income tax free and you're creating that tax free pot of money. And, you know, to take control about what you're doing with your own money. And it takes effort, um, but usually things worth doing do take effort. And you can call the estate planning team for a free consultation by phone or in person at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or you can visit our website and also sign up for the newsletter. So as we get financial news, you'll be included in those blasts um, at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So what scares you? What scares me? Well, certainly inflation is scaring everybody, Carrie. Anyone not scared by inflation? Um, Nope. Here's some recent headlines. Okay. The Fed needs to catch up quick before inflation gets away. Um, Home heating prices are skyrocketing and there's nothing Biden can do about it. All right. Here's how about it's just not it's global inflation. Right. Here's Canadian headline. Wage inflation looms as perfect storm hits labor market. So there is no shortage of people being worried about inflation. No, because I saw one uh, last week. It said that um, a high number of people worry about inflation and Biden's economy ratings plummet. And a lar- it said 84% say this rising gas prices are concerning to their family. And so is it transitory? Or is it permanent? And we got some data this week, but here's here's another shocking. There's one just quote I found from the um, National Retail Federation. So you've heard about all those ships with you know sitting out in the California Bay, right? Mm-hmm. That, that are they may the be supply s- chain problem. They may be sitting there for years out there in the bay. That's ridiculous. Um, but so the National Fed- Retail Federation said that the cost for shipping containers you know, to get it moved has risen a little bit, Carrie, with inflation. A little, I'm sure. When you're the way you said a little bit, I'm assuming that's got a lot of bit. Okay, so normally, pre-pandemic, it would, it, they, they figured the price per container moving around was about $3,500, okay? It's about a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're saying now it's well over $20,000. <laughs> um, so that's about a 47% increase. That's hyperinflation. Now, obviously, it can't. can't I mean, it, it can't be sustained. And I don't really know if, if how you get go from thirty five hundred container to twenty thousand container. And I don't know how that breaks down per per piece that's in that container that of goods that's being delivered. In other words, how much am I paying? I mean, what per- percentage of that container am I buying personally? And you know, so who knows? But we also heard Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, who's not very popular right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, I, I don't know. She's, she has a role to play. She's no longer Federal Reserve Chairman. She is now hired by President Biden. She has to toe the line. That's what Treasury Secretaries do. And, and I guess whether it's her personal belief or not, she's going to toe the line. Okay. And that's what Treasury secretaries do. You don't have too many Treasury secretaries who don't agree with what the president is trying to push forward. Or they won't be Treasury secretary for long. Um, So get it right now. um, So when so but anyways, she is still saying that, all right, inflation, maybe it wasn't as transitory as we first thought, but perhaps because we didn't realize how bad globally the supply chain was going to be. Or maybe the reason is what we are still stymied on why nobody is filling the jobs that are available in this country. Why is everybody still hiding at home and refusing to go back to work? Because um, probably some people are getting more money. Right. But she still says that this current high rate of inflation will subside by the second half of 2022. So it's a little bit later. Right. But perhaps still a a transitory element. So does she have any data 
that's backing that claim up. Um, and we can, and so we've got some numbers this week, and one is the the PCE. That's the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, Gary. Right. Okay. And that's really the Fed's preferred inflation measure. They don't really look at CPI. They look at the CP, the PCE, right? And so they track that very closely, and that came out this week. Okay. All right. And they, they give it, you know, what, you know, what did it do in September? What has it done quarterly? What's it doing over annual year to year? So what we're looking for, is it getting worse or is it getting better in this terms of this inflation? So the core, you know, climbed about 0.2% in September. That's after a climb, better than the climb in August, which was 0.3%. That's for the month. For the quarter ending in September, it raised 4.5%. But that's still better than the second quarter where it was 6.1%. Right? Um, and, you know, now a 12-month rolling September, it's increased 3.6%. So, you, so is this good or bad news? So we knew that Fed Chair Powell, which we talked on the show starting, I don't know how long ago, was that when they changed course and said, we are, you know, remember they always said that their 2% is their target for inflation. This is what they're talking about, the okay. PCE. Okay. okay. Um, and remember when, when they reversed course prior to the pandemic, or right in the pandemic, they're saying, well, it was already prior to the pandemic, is that they're saying, well, we're really... We're not trying to keep it under 2% anymore. We're willing to let it float above 2 for a while until we get everybody back to work and through the, all these you know, economic issues we're working through. So I guess we're there. Remember, because we kept asking, well, what do you mean float above 2? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Does that mean 2.5? Does that mean 3? Does that mean 5? Yeah, above two is kind of vague. Yeah, but they kept it vague, vague. Right, for a reason. And so now we're at 3.6. Okay, so that's certainly above two. Right. Um, but it, maybe the headline here is that it's leveling off. Because we've seen over the month to month, over the quarter to quarter, it's coming down. All right. Um, so maybe that now... The other thing, too, that's affecting this, and I read that California headline about, you know, wage inflation, how that's time. See, see, that's part of the problem right now, too. So there's another economic indicator that we got this week that the Fed pays a lot of attention to, and that's the employee cost index. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm and assuming that, that goes up. And that's different than the labor indexes in the, in the sense that it includes not only the wages, you know, the higher hourly wage that, that companies have to pay to get these workers off the couch, but it also carry adds in the employee benefits cost every time they hire an employee. Cause that's, that's costly too. Right. So that's why this is a good indicator about, you know, now that index came in about 1.3% over the last quarter. That is the largest gain since 2001. Okay. Um, and over year by year, it's, it's up about 3.7%. See, that is part of the problem, that part of what's causing this inflation is this, you know, that's what's, why this inflation is sticky right now is because this, the labor cost, the, 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 the wage inflation hasn't cooled off yet. Now, again, will that cool off? We'll see. But that's where the Fed, you know, plays these. They run a lot of models and they're saying, OK, now we're going to get, you know, we're going to don't look now, Carrie, but we're going to November. So we're assuming that Fed Chairman Powell will start tapering. You know, they've got, you know, he's got his meeting next week. The question now is because of all these other data that they're seeing, and I'm sure they're going to be watching the jobs report, which is coming out next week. We'll see. Okay, do, are we getting? Are they going to give any indication next week that they're raising interest rates? Right, and what we can help with you at the estate planning team is, if you're concerned, let's build that financial model. Model, especially if you're thinking about 
retirement in the near future? Or if you're in retirement, are you worried about it and not doing things you possibly would like to do, whether it's travel, gifting, home improvements, whatever kind of spending that's important to you, because you don't know and have no way to measure. And those are things we can help with. You can call the estate planning team for a free No obligation, no pressure consultation, which we can do by phone or in person. You can call, leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Downey and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we always talk on Halloween weekend, what scares you, what scares me. Now, Carrie, what scared me a little bit this week was the first read on third quarter GDP. Because what we've been saying is if you're worried about, you know, President Biden's stagflation party, one of the legs, the three, you know, remember there's three legs, stool to the stagflation. One is a stickly high unemployment, two is high inflation, and the third one is a slowing economy or a slow or lower GDP. So the, all three of those, is if all those are going in that direction that I just mentioned, that's the perfect storm. That's what you get stagflation. If you're around in the 70s, you know how bad that can be. And believe me, that's bad. You need to be scared about stagflation. That could derail anyone's retirement plan. Um, Now, but let's get back. So what did the first read on third quarter GDP? Okay, came in at 2%. Ouch. All right. Um, The slowest gain in the, you know, since the pandemic era recovery has started. And again, they're blaming the the usual suspects, the supply chain, the supply chain issues, and some of a deceleration of consumer spending. Maybe the consumers are running out of stimulus checks, Gary. Maybe they're running out of unemployment money. Maybe, maybe the, they can go get a job. Maybe they need to get back to work. Okay. Um, so now, but still, I don't. I think a lot of the experts. We're thinking, um, okay, I think the experts were looking for about 2.8%, Gary. So it, it, it lagged that. Um, but I don't know. There's still a lot of consensus out there that they think that by next year or maybe by the end of next year, we're, you're on a rolling 12 months, you're going to be back to 3 to 4%. And I don't know if we do get there, you know, 3 to 4% GDP, I think that's going to ho- hopefully starve off a stagflation period, right? Especially if we also see that the inflation is tapering off. In other words, maybe we we've already met the zenith of inflation, and maybe not. You know, that's what. And again, a lot of that, uh, you you there's no consensus on that whether no. inflation is transitory or not. You, for every expert that says it's not transitory, I can show you an expert that says it is transitory. So the problem is we don't know. Yeah. So you have to take matters in your own hand, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But but another thing, how about weekly jobless claims this week? All right. Um, it came in at you know two hundred eighty one thousand below the estimate of two eighty nine. So now we're we are now on a pattern where it's consistently under three hundred thousand, going lower each month. So that's another sign that perhaps the unemployment is getting uh, uh, you know better. People are going back to work. All right, so we'll continue to watch that. But but the point is, when we say you've got to take matters in your own hand, is that it doesn't really matter what I believe about inflation, whether it's trans or not, or what your neighbor believes or what President Biden believes or Treasury Secretary Yellen or, you know, Larry Summers, right? It's, are you concerned enough? Are you just sitting at home complaining about inflation? Are you saying, I'm going to have to change my mind? I was going to retire next year, but now I can't because of inflation. Or I was going to take that riverboat cruise. I got to cancel that now because of inflation. Or I, there's, you know, I don't know if I can afford to help pay for my grandchildren's college education right now because or of help inflation. my kids out because maybe they having financial difficulties or whatever that is. So you know, so well, all right, well, let's see. Everybody's heard now that what will help you deal with inflation next year, if you're on Social Security, is that you're going to get a nice cola adjustment for Social Security. 
Yeah, I've seen biggest in history or biggest in years. Biggest in years, probably since the 80s. Okay, 5.9%. Everybody's heard that now. Um, and again, that's because of the, this Rona recovery, you know, it's an anomaly. It's, it's, it's just the way the numbers worked out this year. I don't expect that, but, but we at the estate planning team that we, you know, we talk about when we build a financial model, you have to make some assumptions. And one of them is eventually you're going to book your social security income. And if you're not sure when to take Social Security, you come in and see us because professionals, we all have those you know, robots that can do all the break-evens instantaneously. If you think you're going to do that in the back of a napkin, and if you've never seen a professional Social Security analyzer, please come in for a consultation. Even if you don't become a client, you can walk home with, with, with that um, analysis. And that will, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> that's, I can't believe how many of our clients were just shocked or not shocked that's the wrong one but how you know they never thought they would be able to get that much of a detailed picture of what's the difference if you start at 62 versus your full retirement age or age 70 or any month in between Mm -hmm. Um, you can't possibly run those calculations humanly what you need the robots all right now so but as i'm saying as a state planning team so we've always carried also assume that once your social security begins that we're going to make an assumption about how much it's going to go up each year. So Carrie, what's the number that we've been using for medical five for first social security social increase? Security, one, 1.2. 1.2. So that's getting a little dated now. Right. But and, we're being conservative. Right. But I'm ready to raise that. Okay. Because now you look, so, so we keep track on what this has been historically. Right. So, Which is what we based it on before. Right. And, right. And, and we can look at a three-year. We can look at a five-year analyzed. I look at a 10-year analyzed. I was going to say, let's I look, look at a 15-year analyzed. Right. Because it's little, things have been a little bit okay. unusual. So, now, so what is the three-year annualized um, Social Security increases? It's about 2.93 right now. If you want to look at a five-year annualized, it's 2.72. Okay. If you want to look at a 10-year analyzed, it's under 2. It's 1.88. Which is still higher than our 1.2. If you want to look at a 15-year annualized, it's 2.03. So of all those, the lowest annualized is the 10-year at 1.88. So... I think if you're saying, hey, you know, is it realistic? Remember, always say when you're making assumptions, you want to be conservative. Right. But you also want to be realistic. So bumping it up by 0.6% for that assumption going forward would be still conservative, but more realistic. So even if you said, so even if the 10 year, which is the worst of those periods I just looked at, is 1.88, maybe you're okay to go 1.8%. Still below the 10 year low, you know, annualized. Um, so that's a way. So so you can talk about that. But what also, though, is don't forget that <laughs> the good and the bad, you know, that also means that your Medicare premiums are going up. But we don't know how much. Usually well, it's most experts right now, Carrie, are saying that for Medicare B, which is currently one forty eight fifty a month, that the the number crunchers, even though we're waiting for the official, official, official they're pretty much consensus it's going to go up 10 to bucks. So it's going to go from 148.50 to 158.50. Okay. That's a 6.73% increase. So yeah, cost, you know, social security cola may be going up 5.9%, but your medicare premiums may be going up 6.73. All right. So we'll get the final numbers eventually. Um but the other one, too, is what we're waiting to see is what the IRMA adjustment. You mentioned that earlier. Karen, right. The show is that, you know, as you well, if you don't know, come in and see us. Right. Because you need to know this. But most people who are collecting Social Security or I should say on Medicare, they understand that there's something called the IRMA adjustment. the Income related monthly adjustment, meaning that adjustment. It means you pay more. <laughs> you earn more, you pay more. Right. So the, uh, yeah, Irma sounds like a nice old aunt. I right? know. Yeah. It sounds harmless. But the, uh, yeah, the idea is that how much you pay for Medicare premiums is progressively weighted to how much income you have. 
And it's based on your modified adjusted gross income, which is your adjusted gross income, and you've got to add back into that any tax-exempt interest you report that year in the return. Now, remember the two-year gap. In other words, your 2021 tax return will dictate what your 2023 Medicare premium is. So when you get a Medicare notice on what your premium, they're basing it on the 2020 tax return because that's the only one they have. Right, That's for 2022. For, right. right. The so will when be you based get those point. in the mail, though, and if something's changed, you've retired, um, maybe you have business income that went to whatever, there's a period, but it's only a window that you can appeal it. Right. Yeah, it's like 60 days. And that can be a lot of money. And um, we've had people come in after the fact. And a very common appeal is if two years ago you were working. Right, and that's now, I said, you're, now not, you're tired. It, that's a that's a clear appeal, and you'll win that. You you may need a third party letter from your employer that confirming you severed employment, uh, but that's not hard to get. Um, it could also be other life changing events if you got divorced, if you became a widow or a widower, or you got married. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's certain life changing events. Now, right. other things you don't get automatic. Appeal. Like capital gains. Like capital gains. You can't just say, hey, two years ago, we, we had huge capital gains. I'm not going to have that this year. No, that doesn't. No. Or two years ago, I bid, did a big IRA distribution, and I'm not going to do it again this year. Yeah, that's not uh, Too bad. You're Now, they'll catch up if you didn't do it for the following year, but you have a year sometimes. And if you're single or married filing separately, those thresholds jump a lot quickly or right. quicker, and they're hard thresholds. If you're a dollar over, Blam. you automatically you pay, pay that right, higher right, amount. Right. And you know, and again, if you're married jointly, you each get that. Um, now, so that first threshold right now for this year, Carrie, is you know that modified just gross income threshold is one hundred seventy six thousand dollars for married filing jointly, single half that. Well. That's a lot of that. That's a very common threshold that our clients don't want to go through. So, in other words, you mentioned the year end planning, and they're saying, "Okay, I may want to do a Roth conversion because I'm I'm going to take a hedge against a, a rising income tax rate either now or in 2026, right, when Trump's tax law expires, and I've got room. I'm not at my 176 yet, so I want to do a Roth conversion that takes me up to 176. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to go through that threshold. And because it's a hard threshold, you better leave yourself some cushion. So maybe you want to go up to 175. <laughs> or mm-hmm. I mean 170. Now, right. I mean leave yourself five or six thousand cushion. Especially if you own assets that could be kicking out capital gains, like mutual funds. Mm-hmm. That you're not sure you're not even gonna get know that number until it's too late. Because remember, one thing that President Trump's tax act did away with is the Roth recharacterization. You know, you used to have that in your back pocket. So it didn't matter if you guessed too you high. You had a do-over. You had a do-over. That was gone with President Trump's tax act. Um, now, but the question is, what I'm, what I'm, what we're working with our clients right now, we're waiting because we want to see if this higher rate of inflation that we've now seen in the Social Security COLA increase, and we now are pretty sure is going to happen in the Medicare premiums, how is that going to affect these thresholds? How much is the 176 threshold going up? I would guess it's going to be going up more than $10. <laughs> well, so if if we look at percentages, um well, some of I'm you know, we're not the only ones. There's a lot of these professional number crunchers out there who really study the numbers and 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 are tracking daily how these indexes are working. So the consensus out there care that I'm looking at is that the 176 is probably going to go up to about 182. Okay, about $6,000 higher. So in other words, what 6, this... 6000 Okay, you're so, talking about the th- income threshold. Yeah, so let's say you were planning, say, Mark, I want to do a Roth conversion that right. takes me up to 176 because that's the current threshold. Right. But if we may know by Thanksgiving that the threshold is really going up to 182. So we crunch the numbers now so we have time to get good information right. so that we're ready to go once we have that information because there's a time limit. Right, because that's a, and that would be percentage-wise about a 3.4% increase. And and so that may, though, that may be a lot, you, you may be able to do an additional Roth conversion to still stay under that threshold. See, these are opportunities that if you don't use them, they're right. gone. 
Um, and so we're, we're watching pretty closely, you know, those types of uh, things. And, yeah, so how do you get ready? Yeah, so you got to get all your ducks in a row. Right now, in other words, if you're saying, okay, I'm, I, first of all, again, if you do have a required minimum, we get this question all the time, Gary. He says, well, Mark, I have a required min- I'm in an RMD situation, so I thought I couldn't do a Roth conversion. No, you can still do Roth conversions even if you're at RMD, but you just the law says you can't convert your RMD to Roth. And the law also says before you can do a Roth conversion, you have to get your RMD completed for the year. So if if you if you're thinking about if you have a, if you're in a required minimum distribution you haven't done it yet and you're thinking that maybe you have room for a Roth conversion on top of your RMD you remember you better get your RMD done first before you execute or trigger the Roth conversion right um, so and also so if you're if you're going to wait and say well I want to see how close you know where the numbers come out yet I want another month's data in other words you want to wait for November's data to see where year to date capital gains are or you want to see if we, if we've got the new Medicare uh, uh, Irma adjustment thresholds well then you might want to ask your IRA custodian. If they are giving a drop dead date, meaning are they telling their customers, if you want to execute either an RMD and or a Roth conversion by th- December 31st, you have to get us that you know good paperwork or whatever by a certain date. Carrie, I, sometimes we've seen that some custodians are saying that's as early as December 10th. Mm-hmm. Some is December 15th. Some still say by, you know, you could do it up to December 31st. I wouldn't recommend you wait to December right. 31st. But so, so these are things. And also getting your ducks in a row, meaning if you're identifying, at least right now, yeah, why don't you, you know, work with your CPAs? If you don't know, you know, what question to ask them, we do. But the idea is we're working with a lot of our client CPAs right now. We're running these projections saying, okay, what would my taxes be if I did X amount of Roth conversion or, you know, ABCD, you know, going up. Maybe you want to try to see what the max out the next three thresholds. Maybe that's where you get the 0% long-term capital gains tax rate. Maybe that's where you, 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 you're under the Obamacare surtax that people are trying to avoid. Maybe that's where the Medicare threshold is. Maybe it's a 12% tax bracket. You know, right. What's and maybe, your next threshold? And maybe people want to put it and go through a higher threshold because of maybe minimum required distribution or other things that are going to hit their tax return that they're going to be even in a higher tax bracket in the future. So they're going to use this year as an opportunity. And those are things we look at at the estate planning team for our clients. And again, we've been around more than 35 years in the greater Cleveland era. We're accredited and A-rated member with the Better Business Bureau Super Service Award winners on the Angie's List. And you can also check out our Google reviews. You can call 440-239-2090 for a free consultation by phone or in person. That's 440-239-2090. 2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Thank you, Carrie Waddell. My name is Mark Donnelly, and we're talking about what scares you, what scares me. Well, you know, the monsters on Wall Street reported this week, Carrie, and that was kind of scary. Um, good and bad there. You know, trying to get a, you know, a, a temperature reading our, how are the big corporations doing? And we had the monster tech corporations report this week. So some good, some bad. Um, we had Alphabet, you know, better known as Google. Okay, so they beat, you know, they beat on earnings and revenue. That's a good sign. Okay, Um, then we had uh, Apple. Okay, Apple missed, Carrie. Okay, Okay. they missed on well, EPS they met. It was it was a dollar twenty four that was expected at dollar twenty four, but they missed on revenues. Okay, and and even though you know. but their still revenue was up twenty nine percent. You know that's what's right. crazy. Their revenue is up twenty nine percent, but the the but analysts were missed. looking higher. How b- really bad off is Apple? Right. right? Um, but their stocks fell three percent. You know on the news, right? Um, how about Microsoft? Microsoft beat okay, beat both on earnings and revenues. Okay, we expect healthy, broad based growth in our Azure consumption business. You know, everything's good on Microsoft. They, you know, this is a 17th straight reporting period with double digit growth. Not bad. Okay, um, they're 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 growing at 48 percent a year. Carrie, I mean, wow. Um, I don't know if your 60 40 portfolio is dead quite yet. All right, um, but how about the you know Amazon? That was a big disappointment. Amazon missed Carrie. All right, but what um, were their earnings? Well, okay, so their revenues came in at $110 billion. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, they missed. That's for the quarter. 
Um, but but <laughs> clarify, but, but, but the experts were looking for 111. Not bad, miss, right? Okay. Um, and you know, there's now Andy Jassy as the new CEO, right? Bezos is uh, you know flying in and around his, in his rockets right now. Um, but the new CEO says the company expects to take on several billion dollars of extra costs in its consumer business in the fourth quarter as a result of here we go labor shortages, higher employee costs. That's this wage, ba- you know, we're talking about global supply chain constraints and increased freight and shipping costs. So they're just telling you the truth, and they're facing it, and it's they're going to say, but well, you know, that's the price we got to pay. Okay, it's it'll be expensive for us in the short term. But it's the right prioritization for our customers and our partners. Okay, um, so we'll kind of see there. But so back to so the monsters on Wall Street mixed some bad signs. Some are just doing good. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that transpires. And and but I think for the most part, still of the corporations that have reported, it's still mo- you know the the consent you know they're beating estimates. All right, um, but okay, a few more minutes um, and. I started this last week and, you know, saying, well, if you're concerned about stagflation or Bidenflation, why, you know, partly you can sit home and complain about it or you can run your models based on different inflation rates. Mm-hmm. So if you missed last week's show, go back and catch the podcast because I broke down how we do expenses in the different categories and what the cumulative amount of, of budget spending over your 30 years of retirement would be based on whether you uh, adjusted the inflation factor. That's hard math to do in your head. All right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need the robot to help us do that. But today I'm just going to zero in on Medicare, all right, or budgeting for healthcare premiums in retirement because we're in Medicare open enrollment. We just talked about the Medicare B premiums and the IRMA adjustments and things like that. But we, you know, care we found out when we started work with the baby boomers about 10 years ago. Remember they would when we asked them, "Well, what are you planning for healthcare costs in retirement?" Remember they used to leave it blank. And then mm-hmm. when we had the meeting with them, we're like, well, Mr. and Smith, I noticed you, you left this blank about what you're budgeting or, or what you're going to do for health care. And they would say, oh, well, Mark, well, we're just going to go on Medicare. It's free, isn't it? Mm, Medicare A yeah, is exactly free. free. Part of it is. Right. Uh, but the rest is not. Right. So it, let's look at that. So how would you budget? So now there's two ways you can go with Medicare. Medicare B, Medicare A and B, and I only have a couple of minutes here, so I don't have to continue this next week, but let me try to get through some of this. So only Medicare A and B are mandatory, right? But then that covers maybe 80% of your health care you know, costs in retirement. So you want something to cover that other 20%, and that's where you have choices. You can either go with a Medicare supplemental plan, or sometimes we call that a Medigap cap, Medigap plan, and there's a premium for that, right? And, the, the, and there's like 10 plans out there, plans A, B, you know, G, you know, all, all those things. And you pick a plan that, you know, and you say, well, why does the premium go up with some plans? Well, because you're probably getting a lower deductible or you're getting uh, an open network to see any doctors, you know, those types of decisions. Um, you may be getting a prescription drug plan with that. Um, or your other possible way to go is Medicare Advantage, or sometimes that's Medicare C, where it takes you out of traditional Medicare. You still have your Medicare B premiums, but it's really putting you into the private sector. So the government has worked with these sectors and, and these private companies that provide that. So just to give you an idea, so let's say you have a client that's going with a Medicare supplemental at $130 a month, Carrie. So let's take the 148.50 a month for Medicare B and $130 a month Medicare supplemental. And let's say we're going to run that and let's say husband and wife same price, you know, or same cost, they're same age, 65, and we're going to run it 30 years to their age 94. So what's the budget if they have 3% inflation on healthcare? 318,000. What's the budget if they have 4% inflation? 375,000. What's the budget if they have 5% inflation? Four hundred and forty-four thousand. What's the budget with six percent inflation? Five hundred twenty-eight thousand. Now, what if you go to Medicare Advantage? Well, you'll have to wait until next week. All right, call the estate planning team at four four zero two three nine twenty ninety or visit financialfoodforthought.com. 
Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.